Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 433 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles. And today, it's the day before Thanksgiving. And there's a lot to get into. And there's a little bit of wrestling this weekend. Not a ton, but there's plenty to talk about still. I just read Nomad put up the all-ranked articles for Cliff Keen Las Vegas. It's out of control yet again. Mm-hmm. Uh, an amazing field there. Um, but let's, let, me, let me slow down, finish intros, do that first, taking care of business. To my right, David, Dylan Duncan Bray. Hello, David. Hey. Straight away, he has not eaten over 40 pizzas in 30 days. He cannot make that boast. <laughs> no, uh, maximum I got up to was about 23, 24 pizzas <laughs> 23, in 24 30 pizzas. days. Andrew Spencer Spay. Now, Andrew, we're referring to the interview with the Papa John's former CEO, um, which is doesn't have anything to do with wrestling, but I just got a sneak peek of it, and I think it's must-view must content. Yeah, it's and great. I, this is a guy with serious pizza experience. He's been in the pizza category his entire life. Um, and, uh, you know, he deeply cares about pizzas. He, he samples them quite frequently, as he says. Evidently. Okay. Now, where do we want to go? One, I forgot to give a shout-out uh, last show to Arkansas Little Rock. Had a, a great turnout for their first match. Um, Coach Neil Ayersman and company doing an amazing job there. We got to get to Little Rock sometime this year. I don't know how we're going to do it. Um, well, I do. We'll like drive or or fly. fly. I've, I've I've already narrowed down the transportation options. So mm-hmm. there's two right we there. Rolled out boats pretty <laughs> pretty early on. <laughs> pretty <laughs> pretty early. And then um, you know there was a time we were kicking around the uh, oh what are they called the segways, but oh, they, they yeah, can't yeah. get. You can't cross state lines with a Segway rental. So mm-hmm. so we're driving or flying there. So shout out to Coach Ayersman and company. Um, really excited to see the progress for for that program. Okay, now, where do we want to go first? We could start with the segment called Spay Must Die, where we eviscerate his rankings. Um, and I don't do the rankings really anymore. So now I can just completely just tee off on, on Andrew, and it's great. And I'll tell you, it took me a little bit. You hit it pretty well. You did a nice job. Those were uh, that, was, that was a bit of a time crunch too. It was a lot, of, lot going on that weekend. Everybody, I was out of the uh, out of pocket for a little bit, and then uh, having to squeeze it in before that uh, publish date, Tuesday morning. Well, I I came in fully prepared to have a, a Colin Puritan take, and yeah. then I I did a little more research, and I gotta give some credit. The Colin Puritan should be ranked. Right, exactly where he is. There's nothing. There's nothing we can do about it. I will say though, like that that ranking is shocking. Like I I, I agree. We looked at it this morning, and I, it makes sense. Like given Max Thompson's history this year, and and given kind of what we have to work with, but it's shocking. I think not just to us, but probably to a lot of people looking at the rankings. So like, can what's the backstory there? Well, I hate to agree with you guys. I had the same uh, pangs when I moved him ahead of all those guys, and I see a guy like Bula Wallen who. Uh, is all the way down at nine. I think he's been done nothing but win this year, and he's a, an All-American, and he's overcome so many injuries and everything. And I thought that can't be right either. Um, but Purrington has looked solid. He he had a truncated season last year, so the reason he's kind of showing up on everybody's radar is he's either battling some injuries or something, and he didn't he didn't wrestle much after CKLV where he looked good. Gave Anthony Ashnell all he wanted uh, in one of the oh, yeah. Anthony's toughest matches of the entire year. Literally. I think, his senior year. That's a great point. I forgot about that match. Um, and then he took another loss at CKLV and then only wrestled two more matches after that. So he's been out of the out of the um, you know conversation for a little bit. And then he shows up. He beat Jimmy Hoffman for Lehigh, who's good. Colton de Blasi from George Mason. And uh, Gerard Angelo, who has snuck onto the rankings uh, from Rutgers in week two. 
And then Thompson's that big win, and Thompson has beaten Degan. That's my mm-hmm. thing. So yeah. I, th- I think what makes it, if Thompson hadn't done much this year and really hadn't shown exactly where he was and he lost to Pierrington, I think this is all about moving Thompson back in the rankings. But that win over Degan really anchors him towards the top five, and so we're left with no choice but to have Colin Pierrington number four. However, this is inexcusable. It's unacceptable. And I should have caught it earlier. Uh-oh. And it'll look like, you know, maybe I'm, I'm uh, picking on someone I like to pick on, which is uh, John Renan, uh, a good friend, but also, you know, his son's really good, Nick Renan, but you have him fifth. And right. he cannot be fifth. And it's he too has high, to be moved. Huh? Dakota Gear. All American. Beat him last year at NCAAs. Mm, at 84, huh? Yeah, where Nick Renan also was. Yeah, so, yeah, no, no, that, that's right. And uh, I'm not sure how this happened. So it happened because, uh, as you see, there's been some attrition at 97. Uh, guys coming out, um, uh, Hokit probably going up to heavyweight, uh, Purdue switching guys. Well, that didn't affect up there. Um, What's that got to do with Dakota Gear? Yeah, okay, totally you're right. I'm looking at the big picture. You sprung this, so we're uh, I'm walking through 197 Spring here. Spring spay. We might mm-hmm. kill from spay must die. We should. PG-13 it up. Spring it on. Spring it on. Spring Spray. it on. Yep. Spring it on, baby. Spring cleaning. Um, <laughs> spring so Hokit was ahead of Renan, and Renan got ranked high because, uh, you know, he had he beat many All-Americans and he then defends. had two bad NCAs, I think. Well, not in a row because he redshirted before that. But anyway, he was a rankable guy, but then Gear slid in behind Traxler because Traxler literally beat him uh, when he was up at um, 97 because Gear ping-ponged back and forth a little bit last season. Uh, but Renan, it's kind of one of those – he hasn't wrestled yet this year, so I am definitely sympathetic with bringing him down for inactivity because I like guys out there wrestling out on the streets, as I know you do. So Love the streets. Yeah. Again, I hate to agree, but you're probably right about that. I mean, it's one of those guys that if nothing happens, you just leave them as they are, and they don't really – you don't you know, go through the process of, all right, well, he beat this guy or lost that guy. You just kind of ignore him, and next thing you know, he's inched his way up to number five. And, yeah, Nick Renan, great guy. Uh, I helped save his life at the uh, World Team Trials. When uh, Don Bradley and Yusuf Hamida were were charging at us like a freight train. <laughs> Listen, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna have a nice year, but based based on the results, I think he's we got to do some yeah and lack thereof bump up gear. Uh, or well, I like gear behind Traxler there, and then a weight. I don't really. I mean, he beat him at the scuffle, sure, but I don't know. I mean, that was a really. Uh, the scuffle for Gear was like his the, definitely the the nadir of his season last year, losing to Slay and Traxler. It was the nadir of Gear. I'll give you that. The Gear nadir, as we've been calling it around the office for <laughs> Are you about weeks. No deer so far off. No, not talking about no deer. So that's the move. That's that's what I say, and uh, I think we should have a, uh, a slight adjustment there. Yeah, there's a there's another one that you missed that um, I still haven't corrected yet because I just noticed it yesterday. But Taylor Lamont returned to varsity yeah. action. Yep. Oh yeah, you got to rank him. at one thirty-three. That's, that's not a rank. That's not a decision. That's just like an oversight. Whoopsies. Yeah, he um, he lost a gross and beat somebody else, and uh, neither of those results really popped up on the uh, radar because gross. You just kind of be like, okay, he won again. Um, but he's uh, he's a tough dude. Uh, yeah. And was a arc round of twelve guy as a freshman mm-hmm. at one twenty-five. So 133 just adds to the the chaos there. My that'll favorite. Be, that'll be interesting with Lamont because he, I mean, you know, all of his results basically are from two years ago um, where, you know, I mean, he beat five All-Americans, but, um, but yeah. you know, Different weight do? class and, yeah, yep. over a year ago yep. Of, yep. has gone by. I think he, I think he's a pretty solid AA for, for Utah Valley at 33. Now, all right, we have, we have a couple – we have a new segment. Is it going to be a one-time segment? Our favorite thing is to have one-time segments. I'll give you – this is a classic tease. I'll give you the name of this segment. It's called Surprise Guys Burgers and Fries, okay? But we're not going to do it yet. We're going to go to this Iowa versus Wisconsin duel where there is this, – this, this duel reminds me of Iowa State-Iowa where you can craft a scenario where the – the underdog can get to five wins, mm-hmm. but there's also a scenario where Iowa just steamrolls and wins like ten, right? Maybe not ten, nine to eight range. So I want to give a quick rundown of of the lineup. And and one thing that that Coach Brands mentioned in in the post match press conference was 
they asked about Cashman, weighing him in. Coach Brand says he's young freshman. He needs to feel that hour weigh in, especially with Spencer's schedule this year. So basically alluding to the fact that Spencer's not going to be at every duel because he has freestyle aspirations. We assume he's going to wrestle in Fort Worth in a couple weeks to qualify for the Olympic trials. So with that in mind, we're like, okay, so what duels is, might Spencer miss? I don't. I feel like it wouldn't be this one. I feel like this is not a duel for for him to miss, just because if you look at um, the potential winnable matches for Wisconsin, Seth Gross over Austin DeSanto, mm -hmm. definitely winnable. Moran over Happel or Muran, definitely winnable. Cole Martin over Lugo, winnable. Wick Marinelli, winnable. And Hilger over Cassiope. So there's five inarguably winnable matches for the Badgers. And then if you start messing around with that and you don't use Spencer for this duel, it could get dicey. Now, the odds of basically every match I, I listed there for Wisconsin is a toss-up except for Gross DeSanto, where Gross is a pretty pretty solid favorite. Um, and, you know, even Marinelli at this point, I mm -hmm. think Marinelli's more than a toss-up favorite over Wick, maybe even similar for Lugo. Um, so they're not true favorites in many of those bouts, but it's certainly reasonable that they could win any of those five. So for that reason, I don't think we'll see Cashman this Sunday against Wisconsin. But, um, you know, you never know, right? You know, one match that, that you didn't mention that I'm that I'm curious about, um, just, like, these guys' trajectories are so odd and opposite, but I feel like potentially a sneaky good match is the 184 match. Um, Johnny Sebastian has been, like, around forever, first of all. Um, and What was – okay, in, in 2013, November of 2013, Johnny Sebastian was wrestling at who's number one for the mm -hmm. number one pound-for-pound pound spot. What – what was Nelson Brands doing in November or October? Oh, October of 2013. What grade would he have been in? Eighth grade? Is yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a middle school age, right? That's the maybe, six years yeah. ago. So you're eighth grader. So literally yeah. using trapper keepers. So yeah, what was he doing in eighth grade? He's probably I don't know. He's probably at a lock-in or something. I um, had <laughs> a lock-in definitely. Um, so so you know Nelson Brands has had this just like kind of storybook beginning to this season where he was not supposed to be in the lineup. Now he has two ranked wins. Um, you know, he's, he's surging. Johnny Sebastian's been injured. He's, you know, was at Northwestern. Now he's at Wisconsin. Some of the best biceps in the game. He does have some of the best biceps in the game. And he, um, he looked, has looked pretty solid at the beginning of this season. He's putting a lot of points on the board and that, that hasn't always been the case for him. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know. I'm really, I'm really curious about that. I think, I mean, I definitely lean Nelson Brands in this matchup, just given kind of what we know. But, um, man, a, a veteran in Sebastian who, like, I, he can score and also can keep matches close when he needs to. And just it feels like a guy that could, you know, potentially try to control that match. And I, I don't know. That one that one feels to me like another, not, not even maybe a toss-up, but just like uh, a poachable match for Wisconsin as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Um I suppose – I mean, I just think at this point with Nelson, it's it's really tough to envision a scenario. However, he is a freshman, and mm -hmm. freshmen can just have freshman experiences and lose lose matches to guys you, you really thought they would they would win. So this is a uh, – that's a pretty exciting – got to talk about Gross versus DeSanto. I mean, uh, what, what, a, what a potential matchup that is when you consider the, the different styles that these guys bring. Both very offensive, but Gross's mat game has you have to figure this is gonna be that's gonna be the huge difference for Seth, how good he is on, on top. And DeSanto has had issues getting away in the past. He's he's not bad from the bottom position, but some guys have been able to ride him historically. So, um, thoughts on that match. How do you see that one going? Like what percentage chance would you give Seth Gro or DeSanto in this one? At Carver. Oh man, um, I mean, I'm—I don't know. Maybe I give percentage. Maybe I give uh, forty percent chance to DeSanto, Whoa. which I think is is pretty high. Um, for you know, I think I think Gross definitely the favorite. But I, I mean, there are ways for DeSanto to win this match. Um, I mean, I. The thing that, that maybe makes me want to reconsider that percentage is how good Seth Gross looked against Taylor Lamont last yeah. weekend. He 
you know, early in the season was, I think, really focused on getting down to 57 kilos, and that, that showed a little bit in the mm-hmm. first couple of weeks of action. And so last week, he looked kind of back to his old ways and dominated a really, really tough Taylor Lamont. So that makes me want that want to give DeSanto maybe a little bit uh, lower chance of winning. But DeSanto still has a pace that's, like, un, like replicable. I, mm-hmm. I don't know that, that Gross has felt that. I feel like, uh, man, if I'm Seth Gross, I want to be on top in the third period. I don't want Austin DeSanto coming at me in neutral in the third period and uh and i feel like if 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 gross is on top that's like um in the third period that's going to make that that's going to reduce DeSanto's chances of winning but if it's within a point or two heading into the third period and DeSanto can choose neutral uh makes me it makes me a little more nervous yeah um how crucial was that victory that crotch lock in the last two seconds of the Bill Farrell finals against Suriano yeah. for, for Seth Gross because that changes the otherwise he's probably looking at qualifying through the senior nationals in December he's got to worry about 57 the entire time now it's like that's done the Olympic team trials is in uh in April he's done with 57 until then he can just focus on this year and then already he bounced back with a big quality win over Taylor Lamont I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's scary proposition for the rest of 133 because that was going to be like the one question mark holding Gross back, and now he's kind of unleashed. So, but I'm DeSanto. I mean, the other question is: Is this one of those matches where uh, a lot? I you know there's there's you know people debate about it, but do you say, all right, DeSanto, here's your chance to work bottom against one of the toughest guys, or do you just say, no, like do what you can to win the match now? This still matters. Like, don't try, don't use this as practice for March, basically. Does DeSanto know how to do that? Like, know how to, like, be like, okay, I'm just going to, like, focus on working on something here and well, not just be like, I'm going to try to kill this man right now. That wouldn't be the focus of the match. I'm just yeah, saying, yeah. like, do you do you do everything I, no. in your power to avoid going underneath gross, which would be the prudent strategy to try to win this match? Or do you say, if I go under bottom, you know, I'm going to pick down at one point, basically? Mm-hmm. I think the scenario will dictate, but I think I bet we see him go under. I feel like the experience of feeling it, knowing – yeah, Big Tens, potentially, and NCAAs where you could see this guy Oof. feeling it. I mean, I, I don't know how much the coaches w- do or don't value that. That's something in in my mind that it's like it kind of makes sense from an experience standpoint. But the reality also is Seth Gross takes down everyone. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get to feel yeah. the top pressure in all likelihood regardless. But I, I think it makes sense to, to give it a shot. I think we've seen that tactic employed by other coaches like okay get it get a feel for it but at the same time there's something to be said for just getting your yeah finding a way to get a win and maybe that's the thing that that spurs you moving forward there's also midlands for these two teams oh my gosh the midlands big tens ncas if they're both elite guys yeah that so even even more plenty of opportunities (laughs) yeah so i would love to see that um that i mean that match that's the match of the weekend for sure i can't wait for it um yeah, DeSantos look good, but I I would have to say, I would say twenty percent chance if they wrestle if they wrestle five times, he gets one. I think that'd be that'd be pretty good, just based on what we've seen from Seth. It feels like he's he's back in back in full effect now. One dump really changes things, but mm-hmm. Seth's a pretty savvy wrestler, and I feel like he'll be able to negate the hand fight. But there's a, there's also the the thing I don't know if we've said it, but the Carver element. Yeah. Right? This this guy, Austin DeSanto, beat Nick Soriano there. That guy was the national champion at this weight class. But he beat Soriano at Carver. I think there's a there's a chance for a, a Carver moment here, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, he's and, – and if there's a guy who's built for Carver moments, it's it's DeSanto. Like, it's the way he continues to fight throughout the match. It's his, his intensity, his passion. Like, he's – like, the guy that not only – um, I think is is built physically for that match, but like gets the crowd sort of extra fired up for it, and um, so yeah, I mean he's he's absolutely the guy that's uh, that's like designed to execute one of those one of those Carver moments. The other big match, Wick versus Marinelli. These guys have wrestled many many times. But of late, it's been uh, Marinelli getting the getting the edge here. Wick's. Uh, He's been solid this year. I don't think he's hit really the rigor at this point, and not that Marinelli necessarily has either. 
But nothing really – is there anything to suggest this this could go a little differently from how it has for Marinelli? I don't know. I He – the, the first two duels that we've seen Marinelli wrestle, I, I, I don't know. He has – his uh, – Matches have started a little, a little slow, maybe, or there have been periods of the match where where he's kind of slowed down. I, I think it's hard to take much away from those matches. I mean, the, even like this last weekend, um, he started seemed like relatively slow against Chase Straw, and then he kind of picked up steam. But I just I think a match against somebody like Wick, who he's really familiar with, and it's a big match. I think he's going to be up for that match, and uh, I think it's hard to like suggest anything anything new is gonna is gonna happen uh, unless. Wick's been making adjustments, and, and, you know, he could have been, right? He's got the guys in the room to help him make those adjustments. So I think if, if anything changes, it's going to be based on adjustments that Wick makes. Uh, yeah. So, But that's yet to be determined. You know, Marinelli against I, I mean, Chase Straw is pretty dang good, I think, is one thing we learned. But, you know, he gave up that first takedown against Straw, and he, got, he really got it rolling at the end. And he had a decision at, against UTC that wasn't super dominant. So... Uh, but I, I think part of it is just like when you know you've got a guy that's beaten you before, there's just going to be an extra a heightened awareness that mm-hmm. I think Marinelli is going to bring to that match. So I, I see him I see him winning again. I think he's solved a lot. I think he's, he's just figured out the neutral piece so mm-hmm. well, and he's such a quick, efficient finisher against Wick that it's, it's tough to see him not winning again. But then again, Wick will definitely keep it. Keep it interesting for sure. I think there's two X factors there that probably counteract or maybe work in Marinelli's favor. Evan Wick, his thing is right the praying mantis like body. Like mm-hmm. no like nobody's got his length at one sixty five, mm-hmm. so there's always the possibility of a cradle. Except and then there's, Jared Dagan. What's that? Except Jared Dagan. Sure, not a sixty five. <laughs> but yeah, I mean Jared Dagan is up there in the praying mantis club. Um and then on Marinelli's side, uh, you know, you gotta watch out for the cradle, but he doesn't get in a lot of cradles, and I think he's got an underrated um, sweat capacity. You know, oh. Jaden Cox is the guy, but watching enough J- like Marinelli, hmm. I, he oh. definitely works up those sweat glands, and I think that works in his favor. One, he's extremely strong, obviously the bull, and when you're super sweaty, you slip right out of those cradle holds, wow. um, which is probably why you almost never see him ever get in a cradle too slippery. What was the perspiration status at NCAAs in uh, 2017 or 18? Mm. Ooh, yeah, I'll have to go back and look at the tape. Maybe that was an off-season adjustment. He's done some good sweat gland work. (laughs) i got to figure this out. Okay. Uh, And then the other big match, Thor versus Big Daddy Cass, Mm. a.k.a. Trent Hilger versus Anthony Cassiope. So Cassiope has looked great, but this is his first big, big test. How long has he been known as Big Daddy Cass? I just uh, I came up with that last okay. week. Okay, all right. Can we? Can, do we think it can stick? I love. I pride myself on uh, Nick giving out nicknames, whether they're good or not. They they tend to stick <laughs> to he? the point that I had Ben Askren call Ben Honus Ben Honus Green Ellis on his <laughs> show or podcast. So, that was the ultimate compliment to me. It feels like Cass, if he's got a nickname like Big Daddy Cass, he's got to have to take up the saxophone at some point. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Just, I, yeah, very possibly. So, yeah, that's my uh, that's my nickname for Cassiope. Okay. We'll see if it sticks. I like it. But I, I think it's going to be a super close match. I mean, you look at Hilger. He's got that single leg. I feel like, you know, it's going to be tough for him to finish on Cassiope. Mm-hmm. And the mat is going to be a factor for both guys. Where's Cassiope at underneath? Because Hilger is super tough on top. He's not the most conventional. He's a leg rider mm-hmm. for heavyweight. Kind of rare. Cassiope, kind of a more traditional, controls your wrist from the top position, good forward pressure kind of guy. So I think the mat will probably tell the tale here is I think both guys are really have a hard time taking each other down. Yeah. Um you know, I guess one one positive sign for Hilger, uh, he just had a win over the weekend over Tate Orndorff, and that was a rematch of like one of the craziest matches from heavyweight last year. Um, but Orndorff, like Cassiope, has like a strong Greco background and is really kind of good in upper body positions. And so Hilger, you know, demonstrating success against that type of guy, I think is is probably a good sign. Um, Hilger does some really nice things from like when the other guy has an underhook and they try to 
big guy trying to move you around with it, he uses that kind of that downward pressure on the overhook to like to move guys around. Yeah. So I could see him potentially, get, you know, if Cassiope steps wrong or gets out of position, I could see him moving Cassiope enough to execute a good shot. But um, but I don't. I like I like that that win over Orndorff in terms of what it maybe means about um, about Hilger's chances here. But I think Cassiope is bigger than you know a lot of the guys that that you're going to see at heavyweight so it's it could be a different match feels like there's a carver tax to be paid here mm-hmm. in one of these weights right is it DeSanto? is it cassiope it's, it's, those seem like the two most likely or the ones that are to that will produce that moment where they're where they're underdogs um i don't know i kind of got a feeling it might be this one big daddy cass over over Thor. That's certainly more likely than DeSanto over Gross, although who knows. Um, yeah, I think that's more likely than DeSanto over Gross. Yeah, for sure. Okay, any other thoughts on Iowa-Wisconsin? goes down Sunday at 8 o'clock somewhere. It will be 8 o'clock yeah. somewhere when this duel happens, I think Eastern. I think it's worth uh, just mentioning briefly because the Big Ten Network, if you watch, uh, is going to have a big – uh, is, is releasing a, feel, a feature almost oh. an hour long. It's the Eli Stickley story. It involves Alex Marinelli. Eli Stickley wrestled for Wisconsin, tragically died in a car accident uh, in the offseason. Uh, his twin sister, Moira, is uh, the manager for the Iowa Hawkeyes and also Alex Marinelli's wife. Uh, so there's a lot of connections, a lot of family connections. They all grew up together in Ohio, Marinelli and the Stickleys. Um, and it's a really moving, it's a real touching um, story. Uh, I highly recommend it. And I think it'll be playing in and around the time that that match goes on on BTN. So um, keep an eye out for that. Yeah, we'll try to – if it ends up on on the internet somewhere, we'll try to put it in front of you so you can – Yeah, there's can a trailer you can watch if you go to Wrestling on BTN, and we may have retweeted it or something. But, um, yeah, it's out there. Yeah, do check that out. Um, obviously a tough story, but um, one that, I, that I'm glad that they're telling and, and discussing. Uh, okay couple other duels going on this weekend, and then we can get to some questions. Maybe a little CKLV talk. Actually, no. Let's go to Surprise Guys Burgers and Fries. <laughs> wow. So Surprise me. I thought we were. Yeah, I know. Duel, See, that's that's Whoa. the nature of surprise. So we uh, was looking through results and looking through, like, some, some of the surprising guys. And Keyshawn Clark from American, like, stood out to me. I was like, man, I really didn't know anything about this guy. He's kind of on fire this year. At 149, I was like, I wonder who those guys are for, like, every single weight class. And some of them are more familiar names. Some of them are less, right? But um, basically, these are our quick swag, biggest surprises of the season. And, uh, Spay, I'll kind of lean on you a little bit to provide the context for how they've been doing this year. And I can talk a little bit about how they've been doing the year before. So, 125, Old Dominion, Old Dominion University, Killian Cardinale. Um, he's been having a really solid season. We thought this would be McKee, McGee, uh, but it's been Cardinale this year. How's uh, how's he gotten onto this list, Andrews Bay? Yeah, well, the surprise to me was um, just not knowing that uh, McGee was going to be uh, redshirting, or at least he hasn't been wrestling so far this year, uh, and and Killian is, was an unknown. So uh, he came out and he beat Hudkins in week two after Hudkins, uh, Brock Hudkins, of Indiana had a awesome, I think it was Michigan State Open. He beat Hildebrandt, mm-hmm. he beat Kolioko. Um, and then so it was like Cardinal coming out there. He took a couple losses, Cardinal. He lost to uh, Patzel of Lehigh, who was very good. And then um, Gage Curry of American most recently. Mm-hmm. But even at that, um, not sure exactly what turn, it might have been Navy, uh, that Cardinal beat uh, or lost to Curry. He also beat. Um, Oh, that's a different. That's a different good year. Sorry. Anyway, beat um, Camacho, mm-hmm. Jacob Camacho of uh, NC State, who had a really good um, redshirt season last year, and definitely looks to do big things uh, this year. So it was, you know, kind of an up and down, but enough solid wins at 125, where he's definitely earned that ranking, uh, and a guy that. Uh, you know, A, I was unfamiliar with him. B, was planning on, I think McGee was round of 12, maybe round of 16, but a really solid guy for the Monarchs last year. And uh, it just shows the depth that Coach Martin has down there and a little surprising depth. Old Dominion is a solid team this year. Yeah, absolutely. So 
and why this is surprising, why he's on the surprise guys, burgers and fries. Losses last year to Derek Spann, Jake Huffing, Anthony Madrigal, um, Corbin Myers, he's good. Uh, Elijah Jeffrey, Devin Perez, Drew Bennett, Hunter Costco. So none of these guys have ever been ranked where he is. Anthony Lee, Trevor Morano, not strong. So this is totally, if you looked at this year, I'd say this guy will not be ranked at any point this season. No way, shape, or form. He lost to Teske. So he's come a long way in in a year. Now, is he going to be able to hold that spot? We'll see. But he's off to a great start. So 125, surprise guy, burger and fry, killing Cardinal. 133, Josh Kramer, who yeah. balled out at Journeyman, even though he lost to Sammy Alvarez, beat DJ Feldman, Nick Farrow, Anthony Madrigal, uh, looked tough against RBY, beat Louis Hayes this year. So a solid, solid showing from him. And you look at him a year ago, losses to Patel, DJ Fellman, who we previously mentioned. He literally lost to that guy. Now he beat him. Josh Terrell, Tim Rooney, and Josiah Klein. Yeah, he's a guy that I, I actually uh, went back and was looking at the recruiting class rankings from 2015 when this big class of Arizona State recruits came in. And Kramer was on that list. I'd kind of forgotten that. I'd forgotten that he was like a, a higher profile recruit just because he hasn't had the success over the course of his career that I guess maybe some of the other guys on that on that rec- recruiting class have. But yeah, now all of a sudden he looks really good. And, and you know, you mentioned the, the RBY loss that he had. It, it was, you know, seven to six match and he got the opening takedown. He looked really solid there. And he, he just he feels like a guy that um, not only is really surprising, but that's capable of being in like every single match he's going to wrestle except for maybe Seth Gross or DeSanto but um could be you know could be really important for Arizona State's chances at a team trophy. Yeah, you just didn't I just did not expect production from that nope. weight for them if they get, that's a, that could be really big for them. He didn't start the last 2 years, right? I mean that's yeah. the big thing is it's yeah. like he started his his redshirt freshman year and then kind of started moving down the depth chart and whatever happened or he made the adjustments or or something just clicked better this year. And you know now he's now he's showing that he can be a guy at 133. Also, he surprises sometimes because his name got entered in some databases or whatever with two M's in Kramer, so wow. Kramer. Uh, that makes it a little Kramer. difficult when you're you know searching and whatnot. So it's not Kramer, it's Kramer, mm-hmm. one M. Okay, so that is Kramer, 141. It's a familiar name, but he had a really nice showing at the Navy Classic. It's Josh Heil. Now he does have the loss to to Cole Matthews by pin. Probably got hit in a mixer or something because Cole Matthews is a really nice mixer. But he beat Kyle Shoup, Mitch Moore, uh, medical forfeit over Profasi. That doesn't really count. Uh, and Zach Sherman, who's also really good. So that's a really strong showing for him. And he was pretty inconsistent the, the year before. Losses to to Sprague. Um, well, he had another kind of a stranger loss that I didn't really expect. Blees, who was up and down for his career. So down at 141. For him to come and beat a returning All-American in Kyle Shoup, I think, is a really strong showing for him. Yeah, he, I mean, his kind of um, big moment maybe was two years ago when he made the finals of the Southern Scuffle. Uh, and and um, who did he beat? He beat, uh, he beat Max Thompson in that tournament. That's He's right. up at 149. And uh, so that was kind of his moment. But, you know, since then, I think have been kind of waiting for him to have this have this kind of a performance. And, yeah, he's up, you know down at 141, which does feel like – Kind of the, maybe the most ideal weight class for him. Um, yeah. So you know that's yeah, it's it's cool and and also you know part of a team that that really has a number of guys that are that are having seasons that are kind of somewhat similar to Hiles, where they're going to be NCAA qualifier guys, and now it's a question of are they ready to make that next jump to All American status? And I don't know, it'd be, good, it'd be good if that was the case. Okay, yeah, definitely one of uh, Campbell's horses this year they have a very well balanced team and they really they're gonna do. a couple guys are gonna sneak through whether it's they got some guys the upper weights quentin perez andrew morgan um and then uh josh heil obviously um has the pedigree his older brother uh won two ncaa championships so um look out for the camels plus the hano what's that hano oh hano that's right hano. Two, i mean how many are they gonna oh, hinos, two hinos are they gonna are they gonna get like seven or eight guys? Yeah. Yes, they are. Yes, wow. over five. I'm, I would bet the over if it was at five. Dude, that is that's amazing for for Campbell, Coach Collette. I mean, he's doing a great job. I think 
the first domino was getting someone on the podium. They did that with Kreiser a couple of years back. Now, if they can get have a multi mm-hmm. All American showing, that'd be that's that's the next step for them. Bowie's Creek, it's rising. Yes, Creek is rising. Okay, that's 141. Josh Heil, good job by him. 149, the man who inspired an entire segment. Very few can say this. Keyshawn Clark from American University, Coach Teague Moore. And he's been doing a really, really great job. Here's here's his – he is currently – what is it? He is 14-0 this year with wins over Alec Hagan, Raquir Vandermeer, Jaden Abbas, and I think he's got another one. Oh, that's about it. So hasn't hit, like, the best of the best yet, but he's been putting up some pretty big points, beating solid guys, and – from where he was a year ago, it's a uh, it's pretty night and day. Yeah, I I got a chance to watch him wrestle last year uh, when American Army in North Carolina came to Wyoming for that quad they do in January, and uh, he was up at 157. You could see he had a lot of the pieces that um, you know would lead to success uh, when he like when he was timing his shots well. He looked like next to impossible to stop, but just wasn't always. I don't know, putting matches together. And so um, good to see that he's, that he's doing that this year. And he's a guy that like he has, he has some tools that not a lot of people do. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a good season. Yep. Losses last year to the aforementioned Josh Heil, 14 to four. Uh, Sam Matzik, he lost to uh, Cody Kamara. No, he beat, he beat Matzik. Lost to Matthew Malcolm, Christian Labrie. Justin McCoy, who, he's pretty good. And Josh McClure, Dan Reed by Major. He was getting blown out in a lot of these matches, too. Yeah. And looking at this year's results, I mean, you mentioned there's not a ton of like ranked guys or anything, but looking at just the scores and the margin of victories, yes, the, they look like I don't think he's given up. I don't think he's only given up takedowns in one match. If you look at this, uh, an 8 3 victory, 10 to 1, you know, 6 0, 4 0, obviously no takedowns, 8 to 3. Those are all like only escape type scores. Yeah, even 11 5 with Vandermeer. That, that 11 5. That could have yeah. just been a takedown clinic for. Unfortunately, we, we haven't been able to watch these matches. They're not on the internet as far as I can tell. Uh, but, so great job by Keyshawn Clark and uh, good development there. It's funny, it's like so many of these, you, you kind of forget it's like there's development going on mm-hmm. with these guys. And some some of them is just like it takes, it literally takes years. And I think we think so much about the freshman, it's like, okay, Josh Kramer, he's not going to, it's not going to happen for Kramer. Yeah. You know, you think after two, three years, <clears throat> but I don't know if it's a combination of, just like that's just the progression. That's just how long it takes. Or if it's if it's a, a light bulb goes off and they just have a realization of like what they need to do. But but regardless, it's something you see pretty routinely. Is these guys that are sort of under the radar can can have these kinds of seasons. I I think the the cool thing for guys like this is that um, it can become routine for for somebody to have a bad year, and then we're used to those guys disappearing, and we never hear from them again. So I think one of the things that's that's really cool about some of these guys is like they I think are beating the odds a little bit to like now be in this position to like to have developed and now like made themselves relevant when they they really weren't a year ago. And so I, I mean, I think that's partly why these guys are standouts is like it's it's a little bit. I mean, it is surprising. Yeah. Like they really they like, you know, by sort of, I don't know, statistical measures maybe shouldn't be having this success. So, um, yeah, it's, that's that's what I, that's I think why it's pretty cool that these guys are on this list. 157, I call him KC Stampede, Kendall Coleman of Purdue. He has been on fire. Currently sits at 12-0 with wins over Eric Barone, Zach Carson, Anthony Artelona, Will Luan. I mean, what a what a first half of the year. Jared Franek, he's solid. So a lot of a lot of guys, he just continues to win. And another guy that's not having a ton of close matches. He had the 3-1 over Luan, 10-7 over Artelona. Other than that, he's been fairly dominant this entire season. And now he is only a, a freshman, right? This is not a Keyshawn Clark situation or uh, Josh Kramer. But, you know, last year, losses to Peter Pappas, lost to um, Elijah Davis by injured fault, lost to Logan Parks, pinned by Jaron Glosser. So definitely not someone I said, oh, he'll be definitely – Sure, him being in the top seven, top five at some point in his career, absolutely. But to expect it, boom, immediately he comes out of redshirt and then he's this guy. I didn't see that coming for for Coleman. 
And there's guys in his class that very much overshadowed him. Artelona wrestled as a true freshman last year. That's a guy I think a lot of people looked at to be the, the cream of that, you know, high school graduating class that at least in the middle weights, 57. Will Lewan definitely got a lot, you know, he's a world champ uh, in freestyle. And then you got, you know, other guys like Peyton Robb, um, Mason Phillips. These are guys that I feel like would have garnered more of the attention and kind of overshadowed Kendall Coleman last year while he was on redshirt. And I think the record backs up the reason why he wasn't getting as much attention. But this year he's asserting himself as the guy at, who is a second-year college guy at this weight class. I uh, I know we're not getting too deep into the CKLV weeds, but, man, I that. cannot wait <laughs> to see Kendall Coleman in this field. Uh, a journeyman, yeah. we were hoping to see him against Ja'Cory Teamer. We didn't see that match. But, uh, but he will have a chance to wrestle guys like Ryan Deacon, um, Hayden – Highly, and the guy that I'm really excited to see is is uh, David Carr, um, Kendall Coleman match. So I that is that is like one of the most exciting brackets for me, and a lot of the reason that it is is because Kendall Coleman's in there, and I just like I feel like he's right here with these guys, but yeah, I, I have to see I it do too. I feel like um, I feel like if we see if, if as long as Highly goes to Vegas, the number one spots can be on the line. The winner of that will be number one. Mm-hmm. So that is exciting news there. How will Kendall Coleman and David Carr both remain four-time undefeated NCAA champions? That will oh, yeah. That tournament. That's the we challenge. talked about starting that hype train. Both both of those guys are – you know, should, is Kendall Coleman the next four-time – well, first it was, is David Carr the next undefeated four-time NCAA champ? And then we're like, well, wait a minute, Kendall Coleman's probably going to be a four-time undefeated NCAA champ. So yeah. they'll have to figure that out. They're going to have to make yeah. room on the podium staff. <laughs> Okay. Um, next topic, next guy. This is Giant uh, Julius, who coaches this young man. He calls him Philly Cheese or Phil <laughs> Cheese, Philip Conigliero. <laughs> oh, I didn't know who he was talking about. I was like, "There's someone." I mean, I'm not super familiar with Harvard's roster. Yeah. He's like, "Keep an eye out for Phil Cheese." I was like, "You have someone." I was like, "This sounds totally made up." I was like, who's Philly Cheese? Harvard, just right in the heart of Philadelphia. Big cheese. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it. what's he talking about? Right in the like, middle of Philly I was like, Yard. Johnny, yeah. I, have, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. I don't even know this. He's like, Phil Coniglero. I'm like, oh, okay, got it. <laughs> he has been good. He's beat Ebigerald, who is tough. Um, so that was the one that put him on the on the radar. When I was ranking him, uh, this is his first time ranked this week. Uh, right ahead of Ebbett Gerald, who's had a nice uh, senior year. Yeah, nice career so far for Drexel. Hasn't really punched through that next level. But it's still a solid win, and I realized that Travis Whitlake also got a ranking the week before by beating Ebbett Gerald. So Ebbett Gerald's doing a lot of legwork there on getting guys ranked. <laughs> um, but Whitlake, everybody knows. I mean, like, he was in the conversation so much more. And then I realized, like, wow, I got to compare. They're both undefeated freshmen right now. Well, Canigliero's a, a sophomore, and I think, you know, Harvard, it's tougher. They don't – obviously, the, the academics are as rigorous as it gets – and you don't see them doing gray shirts and red shirts and anything else. It's almost like they get to college and they have four years, and that's it. And that makes it very tough when you're trying to compete on the D1 level. Um, Canigliero only wrestled in the National Collegiate Open last year, so only got three matches. Um, and he lost to Shane Griffith uh, by a decent score, I think. Uh, so that was all he had to go on going into this year. Um, but then he's been undefeated, and he's had those type of only escape points allowed type scores, and that's why it was a surprise to me is when he's now I had to do a little you know figure out. I mean he he could be over Whitlake if you want to do a margin of victory over Evan Gerald. Um, I just think Whitlake had a slightly better tougher schedule so far, but otherwise those guys are neck and neck. And uh, okay, we're good on Phil Canigliaro, Philly Cheese as we have been calling him since literally this morning. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next up, uh, this is, uh, <laughs> you know, it's Bracky's last, it's the last show Bracky's not going to be on. So 174, obviously, surprise guy, Burger Fry, Joey Gunther. <laughs> he beat Connor Flynn, and that got him on this list. And that's... Uh, <laughs> That's all I wanted to say. That that okay. As much as much uh, shade as we've thrown at Joey Gunther, that actually not, not me. Not, as much not shade as Kyle Bracky has, yeah. has thrown. Let yeah. the record um, clearly show. There's only one hater, and yeah, he's not right. here right now. That's right. But but that that Connor Flynn match was was like really funny. I was watching that match, and it was like 
Bradkey predicts Joey Gunther's like, you know, he doesn't score points. He doesn't. So I'm like, yep, he's losing 2-0. Yeah, here, Bradkey's right. He's not scoring points. And then all of a sudden, third period, gets a takedown. Goes overtime, gets another takedown. It's like, <laughs> man, this guy's just ramping it up. So, yeah. yeah. That he, was that was a, an, an impressive win. He's just getting started, too. Yeah, he's just, get, we can just getting started. All right. So that's, uh, that's 74. 184. This is a pretty easy one. In terms of, if you told me coming into the year, we'd have Nelson Brands rank like six by November the whatever it is, 24th, I'd say no, no, sir. I, I believe you're mistaken. But it, <laughs> it happened. He wrestled all last year at 184. He had a win, how about this, coming full circle, over Joey Gunther, a 3-1 dub. Wow. He was undefeated last year as a red shirt. So maybe shouldn't surprise us super, super big, but to go up two weight classes and do what he's done so far. He was uh, at 65 the whole time. So when you say... Uh, was he ranked this year or whatever? I first think, or I would have, you know, been that time machine going back then and be like, all right, who got hurt? You know, like, yeah, oh, wow. Cameron's not back yet, mm-hmm. or he won't be back, or something with Marinelli or whatever, or maybe he sucked down to 57 and they something else. No, he's up at 84 and he's doing it. He's doing the he thing. He beat some dudes last year. He beat Tyler Dow, Jake Allar, um, Danny Bronigal, Joey Gunther. So he had. Pretty solid, and he remains solid. He's undefeated, so he is another four-time undefeated now. Oh man, champion. we got to make room. <laughs> There's so many. Yeah. Uh, okay. 197. Jordan Pagano having a really nice year for for himself as well. He lost to Eric Schultz, but other than that, he's beaten Jake Woodley. He's good. Jake Jacobson. Anyone named Jake? He beat Jake Walker. Yeah, oh, he's a Jake. And Jake Kozer. He has beaten four Jakes. He's the Jake Slayer. Yes. Wow. <laughs> what the heck? How do you get that many? How did Coach Goodale get that many Jakes on the schedule? <laughs> he's, just, he's just like a heat-seeking missile looking for Jakes. Wow. Just running around. Just All right, who's through. the next Jake? How many <laughs> other Jakes are even left? There can't be that many left. There can't be. I think he's <laughs> yeah. taking them all out. Yeah. Varner? Like, strewn about the uh, on the mat. If Varner makes a comeback, he is, he is in big trouble. If Jordan Pagano, who he used to coach... Wow, and it's really coming full circle. Pagano was at Penn State. Yeah. Also bumping up a lot of weight classes. And Rutgers has a national qualifier at 197. Matthew Carrenti, who is having a tough time, I think, going, you know, he, he tried heavyweight. He qualified as a true freshman at 97. I think they were going to try to make him a heavyweight. Now he's back down to 97. It may be a tough pull. He may be too small for heavyweight. He's a talented guy. But to have that kind of depth is nice for any program. It's kind of like Killian Cardinal and Mikhail McGee yeah. down at 125. You get a program that's not always known for having super big, super deep rosters. Now Jordan Pagano is able to step up and looking definitely like a qualifier at this point, potentially uh, AA threat. Okay, now, oh, wow. Here's a question. Does, does Warner ever go by Jake? Ooh. If mm. J- Jacob, he needs to stick with Jacob. Yeah, if he if he does, he may believe need to take, me. He may he may need to take a Jake break and just put the ob <laughs> on the end there. Jacob, ah, just stick. Jacob is a lovely name. I say you stick with it. Yep. It's gotten you this far. If you start, I know in college, you know, you experiment with you different names. You're, you're trying to find yourself a yeah. little bit. Maybe I'm Jake now, sophomore year. With, <laughs> stick with Jacob. You come to college okay. Jake now. Don't grow, ever make that call. You grow Don't your hair up out one a little day bit. Decide you're a Jake. <laughs> like, I'm like, Coach, I think I'm Jake now. Yeah, hey, hey, everyone, would you mind please start calling It's like when Andy Jake. Bernard comes back from anger management training. He's like, he goes by Drew now. <laughs> Jim Halpert's like, I'm not, I'm not calling you that. He's yeah. just reinventing himself. No. Yeah. Coaches no. are going to have to intervene there. Yeah, Warner. Yeah, Coach, Tom and Terry, Brand Warner. Just keep him Jacob. It's for your own good. Break Last year, Jake break. the the Jake Slayer <laughs> lost to Wisman, Dom Ducharme, and Will Sumner. And, uh, yeah, he was 3-3, three and three, so not exactly – there wasn't a lot of signals that this was possible, but there were not as many – he wrestled no Jakes last year. <sighs> that's so what it is. That's <laughs> the kind of adjustments you just have to make <laughs> from your year. Is, that's development. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know what? I just need some more Jakes, and uh, I'll be good. All right, heavyweight. Um, we went with Tate Orndorff because he, like, beat the 2-3 and three guy or 3-4 and four guy in one weekend, and uh, – you heard my surprise if you watched the Ohio State stand. <laughs> yeah, he goal. what? Who? When I, when <laughs> the guy, uh, Ryan said that, I did not really process that that actually happened. Now he lost by, lost to Hilger by pinfall in overtime. Crazy, but taking uh, Hilger that far is is accomplishment. Um, Hilger's obviously very talented, all American. We knew also Hilger beat him last year. 
Yeah. 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 And, you know, Tate was definitely on, you know, he won some matches at NCAAs. He's definitely a guy. I think he was a, yeah, redshirt freshman last year. Um, but Journeyman Classic, a lot of big things went down. And then he beat Jordan Wood and Tanner Hall, two more, all, both All Americans. And it's like you beat one of those, you go, okay, you had a, a good, you know, big win early in the season. I'm not quite sure what that means, but then going two for two and then taking Hilger to. Overtime. That's an he impressive. He lost six zero to Wood last year. Yeah, those two those two matches as well. Like it looked like it's gonna be almost impossible for people to take this guy down this year. Like he, I mean, he just uh, he, he was in such good position and he he was taking those guys down. I mean, he looked he just he looked really really good in those matches and um, they they didn't. I don't know. Sometimes you get a heavyweight match that's a that kind of goes to ride outs and and you end up with an extra second of riding time or something and yeah okay technically you won but no he i mean he went out and like took those matches and won those matches and um yeah really impressive i definitely viewed him co- coming in this year as like a round of 12 fringe aa guy mm-hmm. so for him to be top you know finalist contender yeah. i think he, he also showed no trouble adjusting to leg grabbing again he was at u23s uh late in, in in October, uh, wrestling Greco Roman at heavyweight, uh, placed tenth, which is decent. Yeah, and uh, then came right back into it, and uh, it's doing well. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go to questions from friends. I do want to make note: um, Northern Colorado, Fresno State, this week Friday night. Yeah, that's Friday night. That's your that's oh, your man. Black Friday special. That's your Black Friday special. I'm sorry. Just quick shout out to the Northern Colorado and Fresno State wrestlers having to make weight. Yeah, the next day is this at Fresno? Uh, yeah, yes, this is... Okay, um, so double shout-out for Northern Colorado, who's going to have to travel, maybe on Thanksgiving. Coach Nickerson, give him a nice meal Friday night, maybe, after after the match. Win or lose, mm-hmm. give him something good. Um, but, the, yeah, I mean, there will be some interesting guys to keep an eye out for in that matchup. Northern Colorado's lineup is, like, all of a sudden, interesting, could be a bunch of qualifiers. Jace Kelzer, 25-pounder, has had some good results. Moshe Schwartz will be in his first... I think dual representing Northern Colorado. He was a big recruit coming out, um, and then of course Andrew Alirez is, is uh, the guy everybody's super excited to see, and he'll have a, a tough matchup in uh, Gaxiola from uh, from Fresno State. So they're they're more good wrestlers in that duel, but uh, yeah, really excited to kind of get eyes on those guys. And so what? There's not a lot of other wrestling on Friday, so check it out. It's gonna be great. The yeah. number of national qualifiers combined between those two teams is gonna be night and day this year, this season, than it was even last year, and then even going back two years before that, it, uh, probably close to zero. So, yeah, if not, was, or three years ago, definitely was, there's no Fresno State. And, and like, you know, we've talked about, too, just the value of a duel that's happening when not a lot of other matches are, mm-hmm. are on, and this is one of those examples where, you know, if, if Northern Colorado and Fresno State were wrestling at the same time as Iowa or Iowa State last week, Probably not a lot of people would be paying as close attention as they will this weekend when they're kind of the only game in town. And I think it's a great move, and I think we're going to see really exciting action. Fresno, that environment for, they have for dual meets is really cool. Oh, yeah. They, yeah Save Mart Center. Save Mart Center. They, they get it rocking. Yeah, they get it rocking, turn the lights uh, down with the spotlight on the mat and, like, pack thousands of people. Well, they were, like, top five in the country for average dual meet attendance last year. Definitely and, top ten, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, that'll, it'll be fun. Okay. And uh, Ohio State Cornell. I don't think we talked about that one, but that will be going down Sunday yep. live on Flow. Yep. Please check yeah, that out. If you go out. to the website, you cannot miss the uh, the, yes. the, the logos of the teams telling you when they're wrestling. It's impossible. Staring right at you. All right. Questions from friends. Uh, from Chris Foley. We've been asking retiring from MMA. Could we possibly see him at a D1 program? Where would he fit? I don't think – I won't say never. Hmm. But I really don't see Askren on the – I feel like he likes to have his hands in so many things, including his club. I don't think – he would have to give up so much of that to be a Division One coach. And I just don't see him wanting to do that. I think he wants to have uh, multiple irons in the fire. I think, too, like, he, you know, he put his hat in the ring for the Wisconsin job when they hired Bono. And um, they, they decided not to go with Askren, who – is from Wisconsin, obviously super accomplished, has done a lot of things, a very outside-the-box guy. And it I don't know, it, it, it felt like, and I, I feel like I remember hearing stories coming out that like a lot of big programs are not interested in hiring somebody who doesn't have previous D1 
head coach experience. And I don't know that Askren wants to start at a smaller program and then like work his way into a place like Wisconsin. I think he's selective about the places he wants to live geographically. I think he, um, yeah, he has so many other things going on that he's not, he's not just like looking for direction that, uh, unless something like the job at like Wisconsin came up, I don't think, I don't think he'll, we'll see it. The only thing I could see is this is hugely hypothetical and way down the line, but let's say like what David was alluding to, like a Marquette starts a program and then Mm. it's like, okay, does Askren not come out of retirement, but he's later on his career and it's like a project and he helped gets them going or something. That would mm. be a great, that would be a really interesting place to start a program. Yeah. But you know, obviously a whole lot of things got to happen first. Mm -hmm. Casey Smith says, happy Thanksgiving. Aww. Happy Thanksgiving, Thank Casey. Yeah. With a nice little picture of a turkey. Very pleasant too, turkey. Casey. Nice little, nice little turkey there. Disproportionate eyes, but we don't <laughs> hold that against you. Well, I think it's part of the turkey charm. Um, okay. Um, with Brands listed as a 57 as a red shirt, and Colby wrestling his first college duel versus NDSU at 285. How crazy the way wrestled difference. Dame Pistano might be able to claim a bigger difference in college. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, a guy who was a 57 listed versus a guy who started his career at heavyweight. Skip Toops. Good pull there. Great pull. And, yeah, that – that um, every year I sit back and think about how ludicrous it was to pull his red shirt for a North Dakota State duel and bump him up to heavyweight. <laughs> Just the roster management, mismanagement that going on there is like, what? What? You're gonna, your true freshman that gets a heavyweight. And he didn't even win. He got pinned. <laughs> so it's like, oh jeez. He made 97. I'm pretty sure he made 97. They're like, oh, you got it, you're buddy. In. You're in. Okay. Um, so no, I don't think so. Great pull. Very interesting. But every time that that like kind of question comes up, like our own LJ Helbig always, you know, is, is worth. LJ Helbig mm. made it happen because he won. Conference at 74 and heavyweight, I believe, Yes, for the Wyoming Cowboys. Yes. Heavyweight came before 74. (laughs) (laughs) Heavyweight, then 74. Shout out LJ Helbig. He's looking as powerful as ever these days. Dude, he's getting back down. He is. He's so – listen, LJ is looking currently very trim. Mm -hmm. He's, like, working out. He's eating healthy. He's doing the whole thing. And he's, like, weighs – He's like, if you saw him, you're like, dude, LJ's in shape. He weighs like 200 now. Yeah. I have no yeah. idea how the 174 thing happened. Yeah. It's a miracle of science. Yeah. <laughs> He's a monster. Okay. Rick James, how many switches have been hit so far this season? Success rate? We need a stat breakdown. No, so I'm going to channel my inner nomad here. So how many have been hit? I don't know. The success rate is 100%. Well. Because if you don't hit the switch, you didn't do it properly, and it's not a switch. It's Therefore, just a scramble. Yeah, you didn't. It's not a switch unless you actually reverse the position. So that's why I will say um, I don't know how many, but the success rate is a hundred percent. If you hit it, if you hit it like Nomad did, it's a hundred percent switches. If you followed his his very clearly laid out instructions, yes. then you hit a switch and it worked. If you didn't follow his instructions, you didn't hit a switch. Therefore, it probably didn't work. So it's still a hundred percent batting average. Um, bear down. I have an early FRL question. How much of your own cash would you pay Spencer Lee to bump up to 33 or gross to drop to 25? <laughs> gross <laughs> drop to 25. Jeez, that's horrible. That's just being mean. I wouldn't pay gross to do that. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm known for being somewhat frugal. I'm going to hang on to my dollars because, one, I want to see DeSanto gross. Two, I'll see it, this one at the Olympic trials maybe. So I'm yeah. going to save up. I'm going to save my money. I'm going to have a classic win-win. Yeah, put that money in the bank. Let it work for you. Oh. You don't have to. You don't have to risk any of it, and you could still see those wonderful matchups. That's right. Take out, maybe take out a, the world's smallest CD, get like a six <laughs> percent interest. Yeah, six percent. I don't know. He's what, just throwing. Out, you, it's a hypothetical CD. Six, but yeah, I want to know where he's getting these CDs from. They get him six percent. I'm putting all my money in that. <laughs> Come on, guaranteed rate of return. That's ridiculous. Compound it over. Yeah, broke oh, what, what, what is this? Never mind. Never mind. We're not gonna talk CDs. Buy, sell. Yeah. Um, Brock Desert is PSU gonna punt next year? No. That sounds ridiculous. How, so. how would they punt? They're going to go for it on fourth fourth down. I think. Yeah, they're going to go for it. There's some chatter, and it's mostly trolls, I think, on the message boards. How would they do it, about though? Like, it, all their guys are redshirting. Yeah, like they're redshirting now. and like I, There's no way. Punting would be like pulling everybody back. They, they would have to have started the possibility of punting already with like putting Mark Hall in redshirt a or pre-punt. something like that. A pre-punt. A pre-punt, but you can't. 
It's too late. All the punt talk is just troll. Maybe they'll redshirt Mark Hall next year. <laughs> Graduate assistant redshirt. I, I don't think we see him in the lineup next year. I don't either. You know what? Ooh, if, if that's it what now. Brock Desert's referring to, then absolutely. Will you and I go back-to-back at 184 come March? Is Taylor Lujan <laughs> – listen, you laugh. Who's it, laughing? Oh, he he. I chuckled a little bit. He I did chuckle. He chortled. Here's the thing. Who's a bigger underdog right now? Drew Foster in the field with Miles Martin or Taylor Lujan in the field oh, with Zahid man. Valencia? I, oh, boy. I think I think Zahid's a bigger favorite than Miles was. I will agree with that, but I feel like Drew Foster Drew, yeah. is not as close to the conversation as Taylor Lujan currently. Miles was a huge, huge favorite, too. And he Miles was, yeah, was like the huge. one it was of the tearing everybody up. It yeah. was like he was bored out there. The CKLV was just teching people for fun. Mm-hmm. And it was like there's no bow, so he was just – Nickel bumped up and oh man, that that was one of the cra- like the man. I still think I still can't believe that happened. No. Yes, I'm like it was just like cancel 184. <clears throat> yeah, it's over. Like no, he just he had beaten Dean even so like, easily. Even like 30 seconds left in the match, you're kind of like, I mean, oh. it could happen, but this ah, it won't. No, it, I no, I'll it never happened. forget. I'll never forget. I mean, we weren't even paying attention to the match. Yeah. Other stuff was going on. You know, that's the round of 12. Mm-hmm. It's it's the craziest round in wrestling. Yeah. So you're looking around, and then all of a sudden, I'm just sitting there, and Willie just goes, "This is ha- so this is happening right now, and Max is in on the leg or mm-hmm. whatever. And we're just like, oh, my gosh. And yeah. just, you're just like, it just happened. He got the, the – he finished it. The preview was like, my, my Mar moonwalks to the finals, potentially moonwalks to the top of the podium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that was – it was written. You that know, was he's nuts. Going so out bookends for his career. Mm-hmm. And Zahid is trying to make an Olympic team, mm-hmm. right? So there's, I don't know, a little distraction at at, at and, worst. I mean, Venz definitely like made it seem possible. Like Venz was yeah. was an inch away here or there from from pulling off that upset um, at Journeyman. So I mean, it's yeah, it's definitely possible. It's just like Zahid come March. What we've seen him Man. do is yeah. just like right. insane. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Okay. Good cue. Good cue. Good cue. Okay. Um, I do remember we need to we need to get out of here um, uh, more on time than than we did last time. But I do want to go. Hey, this is our this is our crew for for Thanksgiving. Brock Desert asked what's on the Thanksgiving menu. Well, first of all, Andrew Spay and David Bray and family will be there. So here's it's a it's a pretty traditional uh, menu, but I'll give it to you. Turkey, mashed potatoes, mac and cheese. This is all homemade. Mm-hmm. There's no boxes involved. It's from scratch. Green bean casserole, mm. baked corn, which I get some questions about that. It's like if you ever had cream corn, it's just like kind of tastes like that, but it's like a baked, almost like a casserole thing. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Classic rolls, ham, sweet potato casserole, hard pass. Potatoes al gratin, um, pumpkin pie. We call those scalloped potatoes, actually. Potatoes al gratin. For, back in Virginia, scalloped potatoes. Pumpkin mm-hmm. pie. Pumpkin cheesecake. Not sure what that means. Two peanut butter pies. I have it on good authority. Katie's making two. Whoa. And this is not – everyone thinks this is like um, – it's not super dense peanut butter. This is, this is my favorite thing. Uh, cranberry salad. And here's the appetizers. We're going to have crab dip, Chex Mix, fruit turkey made by Natalie, charcuterie board, and a veggie tray. Wow. So – all this for, you know, Man, basically. It'll, it'll be a nice to a little change of pace from the 40 pizzas I've been eating the last 30 days. <laughs> finally finally oh, change yeah. up the menu. And 40 Papa John's pizzas. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. All right. <laughs> Get right back on that train. Yeah. So you can have some tough decisions, Spay. have 40 pizzas. Another 40 pizzas? Or do I have 30 days or do I got to eat all that? <laughs> I love the idea. He's like, because you know that's a totally made up number. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like. 30 and 30? No. I need them to know there's some days I'm eating two entire pizzas for my credibility. I'm not messing around. I'm a pizza man. When you say I'm a pizza man, you'll believe me. You're going to know. 40 and 30 days. Oh, man. Poor guy. Actually, I don't feel sorry for I'm sure he's still rich. He was – Mr. Papa John is, you, is donating. He's going on to the philanthropy phase of his career. He just wants – I think he just wants that CEO job back just in his mind. That made him the happiest. But really, he should learn to live with, the, you know, the current situation. He should take Jim Kelly's advice and learn to paint a new picture. Mm. Right? I think mm-hmm. he should – That's actual he, real advice for Papa John. <laughs> 
I think he should if find he's listening a few things to be there. thankful for. Yeah. Which he probably is. I don't know why he wouldn't What's be on listening. that guy's Thanksgiving menu? That's <laughs> <laughs> 60 pizzas. <laughs> John, there's only like going to be four of us here. He's like, 70. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> why. We're, oh, so I get more? <laughs> they go around the table and he's like, I'm thankful for the vengeance I will have against <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. the current CEO. Stay tuned. You've got to find this Papa John's interview. It's I great. I need to watch Lo- the whole thing. Local Louisville, KB something or other, or W something. <laughs> It's good. He's like, the reckoning's coming. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's like Wyatt Earp and Tombstone. Oh, it's so just like filmy. Like it's not even sweat. It's a film of something. Yeah. Just, he's completely sweat. It's pizza grease. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, he's also got a shirt. He's he's sponsoring a, a local baseball team, and it's in their high school is like Jeff High School in Jeffersonville. But he has a shirt. Instead of just saying Papa John or pizza, it just says Jeff Baseball. So it's like. I was Man. Papa John. Now you can call me Jeff Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that being said, um, let's get the heck out of here. Caleb, feel free to play us out. Thank you so much. We are very thankful for you and your faithful listening to of viewership of Flow Wrestling Radio Live and Flow Wrestling in general. Um, we hope you all have a happy and fun Thanksgiving filled with turkeys and pizzas and whatever you're going to be thankful to eat. I want you to eat that thing. Uh, for all the wrestlers out there cutting the way, we salute you. We'll, we'll have a special bite for you. Um, and uh, yeah, with that being said, we will be back Tuesday. Dadke is back. Ladies and Can't gentlemen, wait. it's happening. Kyle Brackey returning from paternity leave. Um... You know, maybe sometime he'll he'll bring young Hayden on, so you can see the the cute little guy. But that'll be exciting. Lots of good stuff happening. And the next week is CKLV week, so buckle up. It's gonna be a bonanza. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next time. <laughs>